Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to the call. Ten stocks, two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 1st of November. I'm Nadine Blaney here with you on a Friday as I do. It's great to have you along and a special welcome to those of you joining us on Twitter and YouTube. We do this program every weekday between 12 and 1 Eastern. Now let's get right to it. We've got a bit of a Friday happening here with my two guests, Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. A very big welcome to you both. I'm really looking forward to this hour. We are all going to just put aside what's happening on the broader market. It's not the forum for it, because I'd like to try to settle something between you two today. ProMedicus is out with a $40 million seven-year deal with Novant Health. Claude's across it. Claude wants to know, Rudy, is this enough to change your mind about uh, what the best company listed here in Australia is? Um, no, oh. but Claude might. But Claude might be uh, very happy to know that uh, this week I became a shareholder again. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't followed Claude all the way up to seventy dollars, which in hindsight I think was the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I but, but and Claude and I have have spoken about uh, for medicus on many occasions, and and we both agree this is uh, one of the best. Um, growth companies on the stock exchange and I agree with that I just had to find my uh, my entry point again and I thought when the market is selling off has nothing to do with Prometicus uh, it's just all people just selling selling stock and um, I thought like this is the time I'm on I'm back I'm on the register there you go Claude what do you make of that <laughs> oh, I'm pleased because uh, one of the, it's what always a tough decision like I think obviously the share price is still very high and I myself am not buying because I never sold all my stock, unlike Rudy, which, and it's come down, by the way. I'm pretty sure that Rudy's probably buying, bought it back a little bit cheaper than what he sold it. Um, but for me, I just can't bring myself to ever not hold any shares, even though I actually agree that it's quite expensive. And, you know, today's news probably doesn't change the thesis for anyone, but it is actually great to see that the contract sizes are still continuing to get bigger because they've had some massive contracts in the in the past. So... Yeah, it's great to see that they've got um, they've got this sale of their workflow product, which I think is a sort of adapted and slightly different version of their Australian product repackaged for the for the North American market. And I guess that was the positive out of the uh, announcement for me yeah. today is that they got to sell that one as well, which which shows that it, that product probably has some legs. All right, folks. Well, that's your bonus for today. Bit of a discussion about Prometicus, knowing that Rudy's back in. All right, let's get to our future fund series. So I'm sure regular viewers know this, but in case you missed the memo for the next two weeks, we've given our guests a bit of homework. We're actually near the end of the first week. So as part of this future fund stock series, we're asking our guests to come up with stock picks that they would buy today to hold on to to help fund their kids or 
maybe in your case, Rudy, your grandkids' education costs, when of course that does happen. So we want long-term, high-quality portfolio plays. Rudy, let's start with you. What do you think fits this brief? Wait a minute, am I the old guy here? <laughs> anyway, I do, I do have kids in the 20s, so I could potentially be looking at grandfathership. Anyway, I, I, I think investors underestimate um, the, the art of uh, making, in, making forecasts further out than, than today, next month, next year, etc. I think one of, one of the ways of doing it is picking a megatrend or a structural trend that is happening in markets. And if we then can pick the best company that is benefiting from that trend and maybe increasing market share, maybe the number one in the market, that is a good way, I think, to take a longer term view. My proposition would be IDP Education, company code IEL on the stock exchange. Um, value investors will tell me, but Rudy, it's trading on a high multiple. You can't do that. Um, I think the next 10 years will prove them wrong and will prove me correct in this one. Got it. IDP Education is Rudy's pick for the future fund. How about you, Claude? Because I know, uh, you know, You've got a little family that no doubt you're thinking of what's going to come next. Yeah, well, actually, there was only one possible answer for me to this question, uh, because I actually do buy uh, a stock every year um, for my son's birthday. Um, and I think I told you this many years ago when I first met you, actually, uh, uh, and that stock, stock is Alphabet. And I've, I've continued to do that. Uh, Unfortunately, I would have been much better off if I just bought 18 Alphabet uh, shares up front <laughs> rather than deciding to do it one per year. And I'm starting to regret that decision and maybe think I should stock up. Um, but yeah, basically the theory here is for me, um, it's very real, very real life. I do want to have something that I can sort of say, hey, mate, this is this is for you, whether you want to pursue um, university or something else, it'd be great. You know, it's great for a child to not have so much um, financial pressure when they're trying to study. So for me, the most important thing is that I'm, I'm putting that away in something that will absolutely 100% be there. And I see Google in a way, a really simplified version as a tax on everything. Um, every time we talk about some new hot um, consumer stock, so uh, a new retailer or, or whatever it has been, they, they usually have a massive line in their expenses, which is advertising and Google is getting a significant amount of that. And there's you know, there's hardly a stock you've owned that's consumer facing that there hasn't been at some point someone saying, oh, what if Google does this? What if Google does that? And, and it's just so utterly powerful. Obviously, a balancing act for the company there. But uh, yeah, basically, I just see it as one of the most resilient. Got it. Thank you, Claude. Appreciate that. So for the future fund, we've got Alphabet, Google, and we've got Rudy Philippep Van Dyke picking ADP education, which kind of jives nicely with the theme overall. Thanks, guys. Let's get on to the companies that have been nominated by our viewers. I'd like to leave as much time as possible. This one is coming from Brad, PWR Holdings. This is high quality, lightweight performance aluminium cooling products. If I'm not mistaken, we talked about this recently. And you were both happy to leave it in the portfolio because it does exist in the Osbiz Fantasy portfolio. Uh, Claude, I'll start with you. Has, has anything changed in your thinking? Just give Brad a bit of bit of meat on those bones. Yeah, so since we actually talked about this, uh, when we talked about this about a month ago, uh, I, I owned some shares. And then sort of since then, we had a bit of a run up in the share price, uh, which is sort of fine. But as it happens, I had a, I had a few uh, bills coming up and I was looking to take some profits off uh, one of my smaller holdings. 
officially sold um, a bit higher my um, uh, shares in this company. And now it's actually come back to a level where I'm very much looking at, um, it's getting closer to where I bought it actually. So if it comes down a little bit more, I would buy it, but I wouldn't read too much into the fact that I sold my shares. Um, I actually do think it's still a long-term buy, especially down at these prices. Now, it is actually still on about 50 times earnings, so it's not cheap. So I've got to explain why do I think it's worth 50 times earnings. Well, this is a company that has 80% um, of its business in motorsport and 20% in, I think, um, defense and aerospace and that kind of thing. But on the conference call, um, the CEO, I think it was, said that the opportunities for the business are endless. We're spoiled by choice. On top of that, you're seeing some of the sub-segments have really high growth rates. So like we had 40% revenue growth year on year in the USA and um, the emerging technologies revenue, which um, represents uh, the aerospace defense um, and uh, a few others like micrometrics and additive manufacturing, these um, sectors grew a hundred percent. So there are parts of the business that are really firing. It paints to me a picture of a specialist manufacturer that has really strong demand. And then it's just going to be down to um, management quality in terms of taking advantage of that possibility now unfortunately i haven't followed this stock for as long as i should have i should have followed this stock since the day it listed and i sort of looked at it back in those days and then it sort of fell off my radar because i'm too obsessed with healthcare and software but actually after a few years now i realize i think this may actually be one of the better management teams on the asx with a good business so i still do like it and would actually probably call it a buy with that caveat being that I personally am I'm sort of thinking that the share price momentum is negative at the moment. So I'm kind of waiting a little bit to see mm -hmm. if I can get it cheaper. But yeah, I do actually I'll give a rare sort of situation. I do think this is sort of a long-term buy. Got it. Thanks. Rudy, what do you think of PWR Holdings? Um, has anything changed in the past month? No, and I'm not, not going to repeat anything that uh, Claude has been uh, been saying. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with Claude. I mean, uh, you, you could, you, you should give management uh, here the benefit of the doubt and, and, and the benefit of the execution. However, we should all realize this, this is a company that's arguably still in a very um, immature phase of its, of its, of its development. It's arguably still a relatively small cap company, and uh, and there are other, and it's, it's trading on high multiples that signifies that the market's uh, confidence is quite high, that it will achieve what it's uh, meant to do. But at the moment, as you can tell from uh, today's action, uh, share prices are falling. And if we go through a period when we get rising bond yields, which we, we might, uh, I'm not so sure whether, how, long it, how long it lasts and how fierce the, uh, the bond yields will move higher, but it will have an effect on, on share prices of companies like, like this one. Um, if you can stomach the short-term volatility, by all means, use use the weakness to uh, to add to your portfolio. I would say, but with the caveats that both Claude and myself have now uh, put forward. Got it. Thank you, guys. That's PWR Holdings for Brad. Let's get to Cos Cog State CGS is the ticker code. Little bit of color here coming from Richard. He acknowledges that a lot of people, including himself, own CSL, but he wants to find the next one. He thinks that perhaps Cog State is in the right place at the right time with the right thematic points to improving revenue and uh, the possibility of profitability. So Rudy, in your view, does Cog State have the scalability to be the next CSL or is there another candidate? Uh, I, I happen to think that the premise is, is wrong from the starting point. 
Um, if CSL was listing today, we none of us would recognize CSL today as the next CSL. Um, it, 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 when CSL listed in 1991, I believe it was, um, there was no way that we could predict at that point in time that it would be as fantastic a company as this today, still. Um, so I think the premise is wrong. We shouldn't be looking for, for the next CSL because we, we can't. That's impossible. But the, the question whether Coxtail could prove to be a, uh, a wonderful investment for the years ahead, that, that's a different proposition. I mean, um, it is possible. But uh, they just became profitable. Um, I mean, they do have a, they do have quite some uh, a, a growing market ahead of them. I guess we're all interested in what's happening with our brains, and and uh, but young company just only now, now profitable. Uh, they will have to do a lot of work before they could even get close to something like a CSL. And not forgetting uh, the co the cochleas, the resmeds we have in Australia, all wonderful companies. So it's it's early days. So far, it's looking good, but it's early days. Come on, guys, you can't you can't possibly make a prediction 30 years ahead. But at this point in time, it's not looking too badly for Coxstead. Is it a buy? It could be, could be on the same premise as we we just had uh, with PWR. As I said, it's 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 early days. It's looking good, but hey, things can things can change in in both ways. Um, so I wouldn't go full in here. But uh, it's definitely one stock that could be considered, uh, given at the moment things are looking good. What do you think, Claude? Well, first of all, I'm extremely surprised to hear um, Rudy be not too negative on Fog State. Um, <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's just big enough and liquid enough for you. Um, look, I think it. I think it's interesting. I actually own a few shares in this. Um, so I bought some at around a little bit of below $1.70 and then um, I trimmed some a bit above $2.20, but I'm still holding and I'll, I'll probably aim to hold on to my shares now and I'm going to tell you why. Basically, this is a company that does diagnostic testing um, and uh, for basically people that have cognitive problems. In particular, the biggest one is Alzheimer's. Now, what has happened is, uh, you know, there's a new... Um, drug on the block for Alzheimer's that's been approved and um, you know uh, one of my friends has you know put this idea into my head which I think has some merit uh, uh, fund manager of Maven Funds Matt Joss actually said you know there's uh, some possibility that the approval of this one drug will uh, stimulate more companies to um, try and get their Alzheimer drugs approved or and this because um, they could have potentially more effective treatments now, we don't know that that's going to happen, but what we do know is there was a little bit of um, controversy about whether this initial drug should have been approved or if it's sufficiently effective. So I think it's definitely a credible theory. And because of that, um, Cogsake's very well positioned in the short term because it can get um, testing both because um, ASI wants to go and then has licensed a $45 million license over 10 years to use the Cogsake software um, so that they can, you know, basically drive um, diagnosis of um, clients that have early stage Alzheimer's that could benefit from their drug. But also the clinical revenue, which is um, the testing for clinical trials, could also get a boost. So I see this as um, a little bit like, I would not say it's going to be the next CSL, definitely not, in my view, but it could be a little bit like the next Appen, in the sense that Appen was selling like the tools for the AI revolution, as it were. Um, and 
Cog State arguably is selling the tools that are necessary for uh, the, a revolution in treating Alzheimer's. Now, we don't know. If it does turn out that um, these guys end up becoming the standard test for diagnosis of Alzheimer's, they could, they could be better than Appen maybe. But generally speaking, my base case would be that this might be an Appen situation, that if we get a bit of boom in clinical trials now, they're going to have a booming revenue. That's certainly what they're forecasting strong growth. They went first half loss, second half profit, basically. So they're right at that inflection point. And then all that's why I've got to hold on some shares because what can happen is even if I'm not completely consistent, I'm a bit ambivalent about this company long-term. It's had a checkered history, by the way. It was really high, $1.20. Some clinical trial stuff fell through. Things went bad. bad. It ends up recapitalizing at 20 cents. That's a big fall, right? So I'm a little bit cautious, but I see the short-term, medium-term momentum is good. And so I would have it in my head as more an Appen, one that I probably want to get on, ride for a while, and then maybe in a year or two get off as opposed to a CSL, which would be your classic sort of buy and hold forever stock. So it is a buy today? Um, yeah, I would say it is a buy today, but just obviously with all those ca caveats that I said. Okay, so we've got a heavily caveated buy going into the fantasy portfolio. That is the rule to buys on the day it goes in. Let's see how it pans out in the long term. We will track it. All right, Erode. Now, Claude, we all know, including Peter, our viewer who's written in, knows that you're a fan of E-Road. He says, is the current pullback a buying opportunity or is there further downside because of the ongoing uncertainty in traffic volumes? We know why. Let's see if we can make it through without mentioning the C word. Claude. God, I don't, I don't know what the Claude C word is. Claude is not the C word. Uh, the C word is COVID. <laughs> I've just said it. You forced me uh, into it. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, so, okay, it's a great question. And I think actually maybe the answer is both because there's definitely going to be uncertainty relating to COVID. We've already seen that in E-Road's results as well as Cortex, the company that they very recently acquired. Both companies are saying that they've been impacted by COVID, finding it more difficult to make sales. Now, your guess is as good as mine of how quickly that we recover out of that. But let's, for me, I with E-Road, I try to take a really long-term view. Now, there's two things that I have to mention. First of all, what is it that separates the companies that I take a really longer term view on versus the companies that maybe I'm a little bit more nimble footed? Well, I'm looking for a business model that's highly recurring revenue and also um, really honest, competent management. And I feel like I found that with E-Road. Um, I was just, I've just been really impressed with the, their communications with shareholders, their treatment of shareholders, the way they conduct themselves, the information they put out with market. Like I'm a harsh marker and some people don't like me for that. But these guys, the reason I'm a harsh marker is because I only want a few companies to make make a pass. And these guys do. They fall into the long-term bucket for me. I obviously hold shares. And you can also see that a pullback is just part of being a long-term holder. Like we got up to about, you know, we can saw we got up, you know, in February to quite a high price and then it's come down all the way to about 350 and actually at some point in that dip bought more because i do have um some conviction on it now the thing to remember is that when they did this acquisition of cortex which um significantly expands their north american presence they did a capital raising at five dollars 25 it was a large capital raising including institutions but also shareholders had the right to buy shares at five dollars 25 which i did by the way and um so what's happened there is a lot of demand for shares has been satisfied. So a lot of people that wanted to build a position at E-Road has been able to do that in that capital raising. And so it's kind of normal, it doesn't always happen, but it's kind of normal to see 
the share price drift back down to that capital raising price, which is what I do believe we're seeing right now. Um, now, on top of that, just to stay a little bit cautious, um, there was one little bit of bad news in their most recent relief, which is even though they have a really good retention rate above 90%, they did lose a, a big or, um, North American customer, and that'll um, weigh on the near-term results. That could be bad for sentiment near-term. Um, but longer term, this is looking still pretty good for me. Um, look, they do about 35% a bit to margins, which is decent. And um, they're trading on about 4.2 times recurring revenue, which is probably lower than some of the comparables you're going to find out with. Or, you know, there might be comparables that are much higher um, margins that deserve a higher multiple. But even so, this seems like a low multiple to me. And so given my um, confidence that management will try their best and try to do the right thing, I actually do. I haven't sold, and I, and you know, I'm I'm not buying now. I recently bought some at 525, but definitely it's getting close to uh, an interesting price, basically. And I probably would call it a buy. Yeah. So it's a buy, uh, Rudy. What do you think of Erode? I'm gonna help you keeping this a little bit in in, in time check. Um, for me, it's too small, so I don't think necessarily if this is a really good company and it's going to have a really good future, I don't necessarily think that you should be on board here right now because it's still quite small. And um, if it's really, really good for a long-term investment, then opportunities will come along over time. So I would basically say here, keep it on your list, but no, just keep a watch on it. Just keep a watch. Okay, let's go on to... James Hardy, this is for Peter, J-A-X. Peter, thanks for writing in. And don't forget that this is information only. It's not intended to be advice for your personal circumstances. You do need to, of course, get that independently of this program. So this one's for you, Rudy. Uh, Peter said, can Rudy give a view on James Hardy as a quality or growth stock at a reasonable price opportunity? High return on equity, talks about the dividend, product mm. differentiation, talks about USA, infrastructure, house building. Uh, but of course it is cyclical. He's listing the tax domicile nonsense, et cetera. So putting all of that around James Hardy on the table, what do you think? Don't mention, don't mention uh, a few things because they, uh, they, they, they lied in front of court and, and, and uh, changed their domicile a couple of times. But um, if you forget about all that, as best, the A word, if you forget about all that, uh, this is probably, um, if not some of, one of the, this is probably the highest quality cyclical we have in the industrial space in Australia. Um, to my surprise, I found out recently that their market share in Australia, their home country, is actually quite small. This is essentially an American company. Uh, they do all, they do most of their profits and sales in the US. They're now moving into Europe, of course. And my understanding is that they're now working hard in getting their, their market share up in Australia. Um, I think if you want to go for quality, James Hardy is, is one of those high quality cyclicals we have. But you, obviously there is that cyclical element. Um, so um, at the moment you have to take the view that housing in the US, predominantly in the US, uh, will remain on a tier. And, and that Australia, of course, and Europe will, will perform well as well. Uh, having said so, it's not a one-on-one -on -one translation. I think them increasing their market share will, will also increase their profits. Um, so yes, cyclical, but um, with, with weakness here, I, I think this, uh, this could be considered a buy if you, if you want to take on board the cyclical volatility that comes with James Hardy. 
I've got to say, Rudy, I've got a viewer emailing me right now saying, what is with the, it could be a buy? Just putting you on the spot, but it has happened twice so far. I was going to let it go. I can't let it go now. What do you mean it could be a buy? So is that just depending on your personal circumstances? Or yes, is yes, that yes. a buy on today? It looks good at this price. No, no, it's a buy if you can, if you can stomach the cyclical volatility, essentially. And okay. that's, literally what I, that's literally what I said. Okay, so uh, for the purpose of this program, is it a buy? Yes. It's a buy. Okay, let's see if we get another email in. Claude, now, this is not always your preferred area of investing. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but what would you answer to the, the question that Peter has posed, which is, uh, is this a quality at a reasonable price opportunity? Well, while I think Peter realizes that Rudy probably knows this one better than me, uh, However, for me, uh, no, no, it's not a buy. It's not cheap enough. Uh, there's not like, obviously, like I'm happy to pay up for a really quality business, but yeah, like cyclicals in in this situation, it's just not cheap enough. It, it doesn't seem unreasonable, by the way. I think it's on about 28 times forecast earnings. Um, Rudy can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but um, yeah, no, it's just not cheap enough. Where's where's the, where's the edge? Is sort of what I'm asking. Uh, so for me, it it'd be a hole, I guess, at best. Okay. There you go, James uh, Hardy, that's for you. Peter, Anton, that answer is for you in terms of the could be a buys. Let's go on to number five on the list. Guys, we're doing really well for time. I'm very proud of us so far. Next on the list is one of those companies, and I was just chatting in the newsroom this morning saying, like our guests, I often like, obviously, I'm surprised sometimes when companies come up that I've never heard of before, and that's Stracker Translations, STG for Chris. He would like an opinion on the company. He's interested in it as a long-term holding. So what's the potential for growth? So I think I'll go to you first, Claude, on um, Stracker Translations, which is a professional translation service with certified translators, high quality, great value translation agency, it says, for business. Um, so that would, to me, imply that it's not AI that's doing it, it's actual human beings. Is that how you read that, Claude? I mean, yeah, so what's what's going on? I agree with you, actually, but look, what's going on here, let's delve in uh, to, to give them their dues, uh, is they are a company that basically has, um, you know, software platforms that uh, or like make as easy as possible and speed up and improve and assist the process of translating. So, you know, they basically still do have contractors that are experts in translating from, say, English to Spanish. Um, but then it goes into a platform and I guess the AI part, as they call it, as I understand it, you know, that basically tries to guess and, and suggest all of the translation translation as possible and make it as easy as possible for the translator themselves to do it as quickly as possible. And that's how, you know, ostensibly Straker is supposed to like be able to make a profit because, uh, it's, it's adding value through its software. Um, now, the reality is it doesn't make a profit. And uh, I think that, you know, for, for some longer term readers, they'll know that I've dallied with this and actually bought Straker years ago um, and held on to it as it dipped down. I see the five year chart. You can sort of see that. Um, oh, I don't know. We can't, it doesn't look as oh, That's only one year. Yeah, there we go. That big dip. I, I was a proud shareholder of Straker for pretty much that <laughs> entire period. So, um, yeah, a bit of a bit, hurt, bit you know, once bit and twice shy basically held on until i was out of the hole and, and sold um now what 
the from an economic perspective uh, perspective what they are doing is they are buying other kind of businesses in this space and trying to like rip out costs and increase revenue that way in particular they are buying other businesses as a way to get into get their client bases so it's not super high priced purchases it's just they're trying to buy the client base I'm not quite sure why it's so difficult for them to win new clients organically and why they have to pursue a acquisition strategy but certainly that suggests that their solution isn't significant sufficiently significantly better than what else is on the market in order for them to just grow naturally and organically which really is the main game which is what i'm looking for when i'm trying to buy um most businesses to be honest i'm not opposed to acquisitions in fact one of my favorite businesses just made an acquisition today mm. however i want to see i don't i don't want to just see like roll up forever like there's so many roll ups on the asx there's a mazillion to, to pick to pick from and this is one of those it doesn't even make a profit you can find roll ups that make a profit it's an okay business and i've gone into it before and believe the story but then they just kept on raising capital and losing money so i'm not going in that again yeah right Rudy, um, I presume you're not really interested in investing in a company that's not making a profit <laughs> and uh, you know has to buy its business. Well, well, Nadine, just just a little bit of a sidestep to to those who think why I sometimes say this could be a buy and why I don't say it's a buy. I think m many many investors make the mistake by just treating every company and every stock in according to the same metrics, and it's it's a furphy to think that uh, small cap stocks, uh, industrials. Uh, small mining stocks, etc., etc. They all uh, fit for buying for for everyone. I mean, I actually think a lot. Many of the stocks that Claude uh, prefers to have sometimes in his portfolio for trading or for other purposes, I think most investors would do themselves a big favor by not even looking at those stocks. Uh, I mean, inv successful investing is about limiting your risks and not taking on too much risk. And then coming back to your question. Um, Straker, uh, I, I think most investors will do themselves a favor by not looking at it <laughs> and, and, go, and, go, and going for less risky ventures in the share market. There you go. Case in point. Uh, listen, Chris, that is a, a definitive answer for you on Straker Translations. We are at the halfway mark, hard to believe. Let's go right back to the beginning, though. Prometicus, uh, Rudy's back in, so that will give you an indication as to how he's feeling about the company right now. Our future fund stocks, Claude Walker has chosen Alphabet, and he does in real life as well. And Rudy has picked IDP Education, so you can go back and listen to the podcast or find us online if you'd like to listen to their reasoning again. I'll quickly run you through the companies that we've covered so far that you've nominated. Uh, PWR Holdings, that is a buy. It's a buy still for Claude Walker, and it's also still a buy for Rudy. So it's staying in the portfolio. Look, Claude would love to get it a little bit cheaper, but um, it's still a buy. Cog State could be a buy depending on your risk reward portfolio. He is, in terms of uh, Rudy, interested in this company, but he says you would not go full in. It's very early stages, early days. Um, it's a buy for Claude because he says the momentum is good. It's not the next CSL, and you have to not think about it in those terms. Uh, you know, look at it for what it is. And we've got a couple of interviews with the CEO of Cog State, by the way, on ausbiz.com.au if you'd like to go in and listen a little bit more to what management has to say. E-Road, it is still a buy for Claude. It's on a low multiple. He is confident in management. Rudy, it's just too small. 
but keep a watch on it because it's got an interesting story. It is a buy for James Hardy for Rudy. It's quality, it's high quality. You need to be aware that it's a cyclical stock and that it can be volatile. If you can stomach it, it's a buy. It's a hold for Claude because it's just not cheap enough for the risk that you do take on when you're getting into such a cyclical stock. Um, and Straker Translations, it is an avoid for both gents. Claude has been an investor. It's looked to raise capital. It's buying up other companies. So what is so special about its technology for translations that uh, can't attract those customers on its own? Let's get to the call portfolio. As many of you would know, we've been running our own portfolio and tracking it since the July 1st of last year, thanks to our partners at NabTrade. So when both companies get a buy, as we have seen today in terms of uh, Cog State, which is going in the portfolio and keeping PWR in, uh, they go into the portfolio. So let's see how we've been performing. We are down on this pretty brutal week out there by 0.8% on the month, down 0.6%. It's been a pretty rocky September, I gotta say. Uh, since July 1st, 2021, we're up by more than 4%, but since inception, our little fantasy portfolio is up by close to 41%. Some of the companies that we've added recently, not including today, of course, to us, Early Pay, Next DC, Dusk, and Centuria Industrial REIT. We have removed A2 Milk, New Hope, Medical Developments, and Rio Tinto. You can look at that portfolio by going to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, let's get back to it. My guests today, Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena. It's always a good Friday when both guys are in the house. Uh, let's get to 4DS memory. This is for Ed. Claude, uh, the last guest I spoke to, which was not you, either of you, about 4DS memory, he was talking about it in terms of it being a semiconductor story. So one of the few Australian companies that you can actually tap into the semis trade. Do you agree, Claude? I mean, I agree with the word story. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know. Maybe the, the share price could go up or down. Um, this is a completely speculative stock with no uh, sort of customer revenue. Now, as I understand it, you know, look, look. obviously I'm just um, familiar with this one because it's a meme stock that um, is all over Reddit and you have all of these your friend that's gone from crypto to ASX and, and of course the only stocks he wants to buy have no revenue and big followings uh, on Facebook. Um, and the, I mean, I don't even know what to say really. Like it, it's just uh, the 4DS will collaborate with iMEC, which is actually a semiconductors company that makes chips to demonstrate has a viable candidate for storage class memory in the space close to dynamic random access memory, which is obviously a big market. So, I don't know, this is like um, some sort of story, how they've got some disruptive new invention in the, um, in the memory space, which is dominated by, you know, absolute behemoths, massive companies that spend tons of money on R&D. These guys spent $8 million in R&D over two years. Um, in the last year, they uh, burnt through about $5.5 million cash. And I had to read it like three times, but I think they've only got four point three million dollars cash at least at the end of the financial year maybe they've got more since then but uh yeah basically um i don't know like i just i don't i don't want um people that are starting out to to uh dislike me but you know <laughs> you can you can do the same thing on betfair got it 
It's, you're not here to be loved. That's what I tell myself every day. Anyways, Rudy, what do you I think just, of 40S? Just, yeah, go ahead, Claude. Finish it up. Oh, it's just that these stocks create, you know, these almost a cult around them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there are whole Facebook groups. Another one that's in this space, Brainship, has like a whole Facebook group that inexplicably, like that, that bans people saying anything negative about the stock, basically. Um, it's a, you know, like really scary when you see this cult stuff because um i guess at least with with gambling like your spouse or whatever is like likely to realize you have a problem if you're like always talking about betfair or whatever but um you know there's sad things can happen when people go too far into this stuff you know just acknowledge it's gambling i don't know if the stock's going to go up or down um but you know you definitely don't want to be putting it's not an investment for your for your child's future put it that way yeah right really <laughs> Well, maybe I should refer back to what I, what I said earlier about uh, not not every stock in the stock exchange listed is is good for buying for every investor, and I, I do agree in, in in large terms with what Claude said. It's a story. I wouldn't call it a company. It's high tech though, but the thing the thing is, there's no certainty whatsoever. Even if they are accepted at some point, there's no certainty that uh, shareholders will benefit from that because they will require a lot of capital. And they will require a lot of investment, and 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 the long road ahead is 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 uh, is long, all right. And and they're not making any money. So uh, we haven't done it, we haven't done it so far. So I might as well do it. Uh, Warren Buffett uh, quote: uh, Investors focus too much on the share price, which obviously has been going up, and they should focus more on the company behind the share price because there is supposedly a company behind the share price. Now this is not a company. This is an idea. A lot of technology, no revenues, no profits, a lot of cash burn. People should should remember that one. So I would categorize this one as don't go there. Right? Yeah. This is this is for the specialists uh, that are that can lose money and still keep their job. If you lose your money, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, thank you. That's for Ed. Proceed with caution. All right, Ramsey Healthcare, RHC, back in familiar territory, I believe. Anthony is asking, could this bounce back with pent-up demand after lockdowns lift? Rudy, over to you. Uh, the answer is yes, but we, we have discovered uh, as early as this morning that it's not going to be a straightforward process. Uh, I, for full disclosure, I own Ramsey Healthcare shares, have been a shareholder for quite a while, um, hasn't performed to uh, expectations and is very unlikely to do so in the short term, I would say, because they've uh, see their ASX announcement this morning uh, to make it to keep it to keep it short. Listen, this I do believe that uh, as the economies reopen and borders reopen, this this uh, uh, private hospital operator should see a lot of um, activity uh, coming their way because a lot of things can't happen while we're on the COVID strain. Uh, so there's a pipeline building up that should sort of uh, guarantee them, let's say, a two to three year outlook that looks quite quite good. But as again, we already have a stumble this morning, and um, so it's going to be delayed. Uh, don't expect like wonderful mirac miracles happening at Ramsey. That those times are over. Uh, but they are a decent, steady, uh, a great operator in their sector. Um, I do wonder. I do worry a little bit though. Uh, beyond the, the three-year horizon because that industry is changing and, and I'm not sure uh, how they're going to cope with, with all, the, all the challenges even though they are, they are changing. But for the time being, I would say collect the dividends if you own it, collect the dividends, 
yes, get on board, uh, count on the fact that those surgeries, that pipeline will come their way at some point, probably next year now. Um, the market is looking forward, so it's not going to sell off this stock. Um, but it's not going to be fantastic in terms of returns. And for a lot of people, they might have higher expectations. They might have to look elsewhere. I would call it a hold here. A hold. It's trading at $68, roughly down 2% on the day. Jeffrey's out with that note that you referenced saying that, um, look, we will start to see electrosurgery volumes lift in Sydney mm. from early October, but it has trimmed its full year 2022 earnings per share forecast by 1% percent after that update on restrictions in Australia. Mm. How would I think we would make it through without talking about COVID or Warren Buffett, apparently? So we've got them both covered. <laughs> All right, let's get um, Claude's view on Ramsey Health. Yeah, cool. So I think Ramsey Health is um, just your classic father-in-law stock. It's just a, it's in a really, it's a, it's a large um, business. Think about these hospitals. I mean, Rudy's covered a lot of the micro stuff, so I'll go mm -hmm. broad. Um, it's it's hospitals now. Oftentimes, just because hospitals are such core infrastructure, it's generally true that for these large hospitals, there's a quasi monopoly there, right? Someone's not going to. You've got a huge monopoly unless there's overwhelming demand. Someone's not going to set up a new hospital right next door. Um, so, I mean, this kind of thing can happen, but generally speaking, like healthcare systems are pretty tight, right? There's always more demand for healthcare. Um, now, of course, as it happens you have this impact that the elective stuff is where they can make the most money and then they've got, you know, desperation stuff with um, the situation. So uh, obviously it's short-term bad, but what I'm trying to get at is this is these are inherently defensive businesses. So you have a high degree of confidence that these are going to exist in many years. And a lot of investing, as Rudy said, is just risk minimization and all that kind of stuff. I do some spicier stuff as well, but... It's really suits, it really suits the bill there. And, you know, there just aren't that many high-quality defensive companies and they are totally appropriate for some people to own. I'm going to call it a hold as well. I agree mm -hmm. with Rudy on that. This thing's on, I think, around 30 times forecast earnings. So it's not, like, mind-blowingly cheap. But these are the kind of companies that if you like, um, you know, if you want to invest in larger liquid companies, this is a lower-risk one. It still can grow. And so it's the kind of thing that you could buy in a market sell-off for sure and you'd probably do well. And that's exactly what I did March last year. I think I did buy Ramsey. Actually, I bought a bunch of these higher quality defensives um, just because you don't have to think too hard to know that they're going to keep existing on the other side of whatever's going on. Got it. Thank you. Okay, so that is Ramsey Healthcare for Anthony. On to number eight on our list, Objective Corporation, which is uh, OCL for Danny. Last time I spoke about it, it was flying pretty under the radar. Uh, Rich Lister, Tony Walls, backing it to start the company back in 1987, still owns a big portion of the company. Uh, what do you make of Objective Corporation? This one ha has had its time in the sun, Rudy. We, we've spoken about this a couple of times. Uh, to, to make it very clear for people who are not aware, Claude is Objective and I am Technology One. And the difference between the two is that obje ob that objective essentially is a mini technology one. So then it becomes a, a case of uh, what do you want? I mean, I last time we spoke, last two times we spoke about this company. At that time, objective was outperforming technology one. I think at this point in time, technology one is outperforming objective. And that's just how these things go. So it I mean, I, yes, I can see the appeal of objective. The reason why I keep on preferring a technology one is because Technology One has a, has a much longer track record 
and and the numbers look better as far as I'm concerned in terms technology one is a much larger company as well and and much longer around and, and all of that so because because of that and I'm, I'm much more intimate uh, in terms of knowledge with uh, technology one and my confidence is quite high over there that I would prefer technology one but I if, if you really say to me like you can't you can't buy a technology one really like, would you buy objective I might consider it yes well this is another Rudy V Claude setup so Claude <laughs> please oh good I love that three-year chart let's have that up again um, yeah so objective one is actually kind of similar in the in, for a few reasons in the kind of things that they do with their software but also um, there's enterprise software they do slightly different things um, Objective Corp, probably the biggest difference is it's a little bit more focused on government. Obviously, Technology One has that as well. But uh, yeah, these guys are, are big into like local governments in Australia and stuff, which is a fairly uh, attractive marketplace, I guess. And they've been doing it uh, for quite a few years now. They've got, they got stuff um, overseas as well, but it is at core an Australian company. Now, um, look, I think when the, this rivalry between Objective and Technology One started, because one of the first episodes we went on more than a year ago now, um, uh, I, I was backing tech, uh, Objective Corp and Rudy uh, Technology One. The problem is for Objective Corporation shareholders such as myself is the share price has run up a long way mm -hmm. now. Um, it's actually, I, yeah, you can see it. I, I, I must be up you know, more than 100% in, in two years on this on this stock. And I should be even higher because I should have held it since $2. I didn't. Um, but got to it late at around 5 6 and just kept on buying. And I, I still really like the business um, because it has such a high retention rate. It is uh, benefiting from, I guess, this, you know, the belated move to having governments needing the potential for work from home as an option once upon a time government departments and the like didn't really need to offer that to their employees of course and objective one gets more work and has the right products and it and it, and it hits an upgrade cycle in a way uh when they suddenly need to have this new capability which objective one is just well positioned to provide it's already the provider it's been working ahead of the game on those capabilities so it's going really well there um look it also, it has a sort of this network effect in it. I think a really great story about that is uh, a product called uh, Objective Reach, which basically allows governments to securely share and most importantly, search private data. Now, this is extremely important, for example, for Australia's child protection officers. Uh, you know, it it's basically allows them to understand whether information is held in one jurisdiction about a family or a child that might now have moved to another jurisdiction and it enables real-time uh, decision-making about children uh, that helps keep them safe, right? So there might be a flag that somebody's dangerous to children that's happened in Queensland. How is Victoria supposed to know about that if that person's gone there? That needs to be all super secure. It's got child details, etc. They mm -hmm. all need to buy in to objective reach and they have and they share and they all all using this stuff. How's anyone going to displace that now? And it does an important job and it needs to be done. So that's kind of good thing that it does. However, the reality is, um, you know, a P ratio of over 100, I think 110 now based on uh, trailing, 24 times recurring revenue. This has gone from a little smaller under the radar one, I would argue, to now it's getting big and getting big attention. So now it's actually on a high multiple. It's tightly held by the founder, how you mentioned. Index funds are starting to think, oh gosh, this is going to start getting into index. So 
Um, people that are index hugging need to start getting shares. One day that more and more indexes are going to buy shares. It's almost, there's an almost arguably artificial pressure on the share price up. Yeah. Um, so with caution, I'm a holder, I like it, but just with caution on that valuation, there's probably some sort of artificial market dynamics that are boosting it at the moment. So you're not gonna but buy I like it, it now. Yeah, like the company, well, not, uh, well okay. It's hard, especially one of my largest high conviction holdings. So it's hard to not call it a buy, but well, it's only... not because it comes down to timing, right? But I will say that it's down. Well, it's down half a percent today, eighteen dollars yeah, twenty. No, I think I think you're right. It's it's a hold at these prices, but definitely like one to watch. And you know, I have bought on the way up with this one, and I don't mind a high rate, a high ratio. But I definitely think it's quite punchy at the moment. So I I would potentially back Rudy's technology one going forward for the next year or so. Oh my gosh. Over this. Okay. All right. Oof. <laughs> This is getting interesting. Sorry. Let's see what happens with Net Wealth Group. Rudy, a couple of outperforms. This is for Amy NWL. We're bringing people together here on Ausbiz. Um, yeah, yeah, so Rudy, what do you think of Net Wealth? Yes, just a little bit of, of for people who want to do their research in, in companies like uh, Objective and, and Technology One, the churn in customers at Technology One is, is a little bit higher than half a percent. Uh, I remember two or three years ago, it temporarily jumped above one percent. That was like a shock to the to the to the to investment community. Woo, more than one percent. It means that ninety nine percent plus of the customers stays on board. Just just as a sideline, the type of companies we're talking about here. Now earlier, when I mentioned IDP education, I was I had a whole uh, discourse about uh, mega trends and long-term structural uh, growth uh, happening in certain sectors and, and stuff like that. I think net wealth is one of those. And net wealth and Hub24 are probably the, the two main uh, players in, in the platform industry in Australia, which is benefiting from the fact that A, the banks are leaving that sector. Uh, secondly, a lot of advisors are leaving the industry. And those who are uh, staying are in increasingly large numbers are, are moving away from the likes of AMP and they are ending up with uh, Hub24 or with uh, NetWealth. Now, NetWealth is a more profitable one, has, has much higher uh, margins than, than Hub24, yet I am with, I'm on board with most of the investors and, and most of the analysts who cover this sector and prefer Hub24. Now, does that mean that net wealth is a bad investment? No, it's not. Um, but you have to believe that the trend, the money flow away from the likes of, of AMP and away from the likes of uh, uh, the banks and other large players onto the, the platforms uh, uh, owned and operated by net wealth and, 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 and um, Hub24, that that is a trend that is going to continue. At this point in time, it doesn't, it doesn't look like that trend is going to stop anytime soon. These are relatively small players in, in, in more evidence of how concentrated this sector previously in Australia actually was. I don't know the numbers by from memory, but I think combined, these players still represent less than mm -hmm. 10% and they're increasingly their market share year in, year out. So there's a lot of growth that should still come their way. I mean, it's not that simple, that story, but as long as you believe that money flows will go their way, yes, they look expensive. They should look expensive. They always look expensive, so you have to buy the one pullbacks. I would say, if you take a longer-term view, net wealth here is a buy, yeah, as is it's... up 24. 
As it's down, hub 24, by the way. Okay, down by down by more than 3%. So hub 24 is a bonus buy as well. $14 around is where net wealth is trading today. You'll have to keep it a bit snappy there. Claude, net wealth. Well, I think Rudy's covered it really well. I'll just add in that um, I get a little bit concerned when I see insider selling, which I think I believe there has been some of in net wealth. So that's probably one thing that gives gives me pause. But I agree it's a high quality business and I agree that, you know, it's probably long term okay despite the high multiple of earnings around sixty times. But for me I'm gonna give it a hold. Not going in the portfolio. Resmed is the last on the list. Lucky last for Lachlan. I will start with you, Rudy, on Resmed. One of the strongest uh, multinational growth companies we have in the healthcare sector on the ASX. Um, arguably, a lot of that is in the price. Uh, that's because Philips in the Netherlands has a problem and, and, and Resmed is going to benefit from that. Um, earlier, we were talking about who's the next uh, CSL, who needs to look for the next CSL when you have companies like Resmed on the stock exchange. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, 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 it's highly priced at this point in time but we're living in very volatile times. So I would say it's a hold here, but if it weakens on more sell, sell downs, uh, I would definitely uh, recommend people um, bottom drawer stock. That's the type of stock that ResMed is. Okay, just to push you on that though, because it's down by 2% today, trading at about $68. So you're saying it still needs to come down further? 68. Sorry, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm looking at the wrong one. It's down by 2%. <laughs> Should wear my glasses. I'm so vain. Um, it is just it's trading show, at about thirty six dollars. Thirty six dollars. Just yes, exactly. Just to show you that I know my stocks and I, yeah. I own this one. <laughs> I have been owning this for a long while. I think it's probably worth forty dollars here, maybe a little bit more. Okay. So um, if if that upside in the short term is enough for you, by all means, get on board and take a longer term view. Um, but you think in this environment that you could get it a bit cheaper? I think so. Yes. All right. In particular, How about you? If, if, sorry. If, if bond deals move move up higher, I think so, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Claude, how about you, Resmed? Yeah, so as, as a sort of growth stock and a large growth stock, it definitely is one that is uh, susceptible to global money flows based on what interest rates are. Uh, basically, the rule of thumb is lower interest rates, growth stocks do better. Uh, so there could be a bit of a headwind there. Having said that, this is a clear quality, one of the top-notch companies um, on the ASX. I believe my father-in-law does actually own this one. Uh, it's, and as for a while, it's a good one. It's gone for a big, big run because of COVID. I probably wouldn't be looked to buying it now because it's just had this massive, like everything's gone in its favor. It's been a little bit, it's the wrong word, but lucky with with its um, competitor not doing so well. But long-term, the two tailwinds that mean that ResMed should do really well is the aging demographics because older people are more likely to need respiratory assistance. Sleep apnea is associated with age and obesity. Obesity mm -hmm. is also associated with these things. So if people, particularly in the USA, continue to get older, which they will, and are larger, then they're going to have a long-term multi-decade tailwind ahead of them. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. I, I do like it. Um, however, I'll say hold as well, just to, at the current valuation. But you know, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be all right long term. It's a, it's a high quality business, high margins. Well, I don't yes. know about you folks out there watching, but I feel like Rudy and Claude are coming closer together on a lot of fronts. <laughs> so that's a good way to wrap this program. A huge thank you as well to Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Rudy Philip Van Dyke from FN Arena for always joining us and being so candid with your views and rolling with the punches as we go live to air. Thank you.
Thanks for having me. Very quick wrap up here for DS. Neither of the guys would buy that if you forced them to. Ramsey Healthcare, it's a hold for both of my expert guests. Objective Corporation, it is a hold for Rudy. Uh, look, it's still a preference for, uh, sorry, for uh, hold for Claude. Rudy still likes TNE better. Uh, Net Wealth is a buy for Claude. It's buy for Rudy. It's only a hold for Claude. ResMed, both say it's a hold, but uh, don't think you can go wrong in the long term, Lachlan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.